Hello, everyone. This is uh, Sakib welcoming you to another episode of Tennis with an Accent. Uh, today, we have the uh, company of Tumani Karel, who is joining us from the UK. A very familiar voice in tennis journalism, uh, covers uh, uh, tennis writing in a freelance way and also contributes to the sport. Welcome, Tumani. Hi, Sakib. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure is all ours, and I'm sure the audience is excited because the fifth, uh, the unofficial fifth major of the year is starting today in Indian Wells, California. Uh, before we get to the Indian Wells, you know, draw analysis and the comebacks, uh, the big stories, uh, let me just go back and uh, take your call on the, the ITF proposed changes of Davis Cup. Uh, what's your take, and do you think uh, these changes will impact the game? Will it change Davis Cup forever? Uh, let's start with that. Um, well, yeah, if, if this, these proposals do go through, definitely it will, it will change it fundamentally. Um, it's, it's been interesting to see kind of the, the divide between the, the people, a lot of people kind of within the, within the tennis world, media and other people, and a lot of Americans as well who think it's a great idea and, you know, say that the Davis Cup is dying compared with, you know, the, the other side, the, the, a lot of the fans who follow tennis day by day. And also a lot of the European nations, smaller nations, who think that it, it's it will change. For me, um, I, I I kind of I understand both sides. I think that so when top players, you know, at the end of the day, although top players aren't the be all and end all of, of tennis, they kind of uh, their presence in tournaments kind of validates, you know, the kind of their relevance. And, and for the ITF, when the, when a lot of top players weren't turning up or when, you know, some people have pointed out that they are actually, but in, in many cases, they were kind of arriving at Davis Cup ties, you know, dragging their feet um, and not wanting to be there 100%, not being as motivated as they are when they play slams. I think something has to change. But um, for me, the, the format, you know, um, a one-week event at the end of the year, I think that's just not that's not what should happen. It's not really good enough. Um, it's there's there's no doubt that if it goes through, it will be presented as um, you know spark, a brand new kind of sparkling new thing. Um, but it's not really. It's 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 been done. It, it, a similar thing has been done with the World Team Cup. Okay. Similar thing has been done with the Fed Cup before 1995. And I just don't think it's a, a good it, the format. I don't think it's interesting at all. Yeah, it's a drastic change, and they are trying to build this as the tennis version of yep. the World Cup. And Davis Cup was always nation versus nation. So, I mean, uh, I, I live in the States for the last 20-odd years, so I kind of get the narrative surrounding you know what's been fed here on channels. So the only uh, issue that I had with Davis Cup was uh, you can win it as early as, you know, or late as December, and then you can lose it in six, seven weeks right after the Australian Open. But uh, that's still not like a fundamental flaw to me. Uh, and uh, and originally I hailed from India and uh, we had India versus Korea, those kind of ties. We had sellout crowds because professional tennis or tennis of that caliber was never a regular event for our, our part of the world. So now this is what makes me very curious. Like the big dance, you know, the 18 team, uh, it's going to be played at one, uh, you know, uh, at, at one location. And uh, even some of the European nations, like say, like, I want to know how what a Martin Huxovic think of this chain because uh, it's a big honor to play for their country and there won't be a Davis Cup 
uh, or the World Cup ever held in Hungary or some of those nations. And, uh, and you're absolutely right. This is uh, the plot is here to you know make it a more sellable item, and I think they're totally inspired by the Labor Cup. So, uh, and then again, you also make an interesting point. They're they they're not mentioning uh, Fed Cup, and that is a format that could have used some uh, revamp itself. But it's again, ITF is thinking along the lines of the men's game, and uh, Fed Cup is uh, not on the table yet. You think they will include Fed Cup at some point, or with this Gerard PK? Uh, partnership, they are just fully focusing uh, on Davis Cup. What have you heard so far in the in the writing uh, community? Well, I think now and also in the past, it's, it's always whenever this topic has been brought up, it's always been Davis Cup is dying, and even in the past, no one ever really mentioned the Fed Cup. Um, uh, for now, it's, it's definitely clearly about the, the Davis Cup. Um, I know Chris, Chris Clary spoke to um, Dave Haggerty, and Haggerty said that um, the plan, you know, hopefully one, one day, you know, eventually uh, it, the the Fed Cup will join the Davis Cup. But it's really interesting to me that for, for now, while they're trying to kind of constrict the Davis Cup into a, a small one-week event, you know, the, the, they're continuing with the plan to actually expand the, the Fed Cup. Fed Cup is currently, while the Davis Cup is a 16, uh, the World Group, Davis Cup World Group is a 16 um, nation event, you know, with um, the, the, the Fed Cup is only has eight nations in the World Group and it has then a eight nation World Group too. And they want to make the Fed Cup, as, uh, the World Group, just one 16 nation group like the, the men. So they're expanding one, they're, you know, making another one as small as possible. And it's, you know, tennis is, is very confusing <laughs> to me. And it's very surprising that like some of the top men like Djokovic and uh, Murray and even some of retired players like Roddick have come out in support of this drastic change. Uh, because this is an event that has a history of its own. So it'll be very interesting to see flocks of partisan crowds flying into, say, Singapore to support this World Cup kind of an event. And there is no guarantee unless they already have yeah. some agreement with the players. But it looks like the players were kept in the dark. So ensemble cast of like superstars... Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be really, you know, I don't know. I, I don't expect a big, big turnout, but this is a year when injuries have been the theme in the men's game. So not sure how many people will put their bodies through a week of, of tennis at the end, which is going to be played in Singapore, which is the top men. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the season and also right after the, um, the World Tour Finals. If the aim is to um, to attract as many top players as possible, then holding it right after the top players kind of go to battle and try to kill each other in, in London or wherever, wherever the World Tour Final is held after London, you know, it, it, it doesn't, to me at least, it doesn't seem very <laughs> like a good idea. But, yeah. So, yeah, uh, let's focus on Indian Wells part of the podcast now. And I'm sure like uh, the media day today or day after, we'll have Federer and Djokovic and some of the top names give their you know opinion on this Davis Cup change. So I think that's going to prolong or add to the conversation. So let's look uh, at the WTA draw uh, for Indian Wells first because the action starts in a few hours today in Indian Wells. And uh, the biggest name is back in business. Uh, uh, what do you think of that comeback and what are the expectations? I know it's a very generic question, but, you know, she's still 
the best player in the game if uh, you know the normal duty can resume but you know but she's coming after her biggest challenge you know she's coming after you know motherhood and uh, and she won her slam when she was pregnant nobody knew that till this was disclosed last year so uh where do you start with Serena Williams and what are your expectations and what have you seen of the tri- the tiebreak tens what do you make of her level um well firstly my my expectations are to have have no expectations it's not just kind of motherhood it's also that you know she almost died she had for the second time in her life as well she she almost died she had a pulmonary after she gave birth to her daughter olympia she had a pulmonary embolism blood clots in her lungs and then a hematoma in her stomach um and you know so this is and she also had a cesarean which is also a, a problem in terms of regaining all her core muscles in her stomach and all of that stuff so yeah um she she hasn't in in the she didn't look great at all in her previous in you know she played Ostapenko in Abu Dhabi um she didn't look good at all there it's it seemed like they'd kind of she took Ostapenko to three sets but they kind of agreed it seemed like they kind of agreed to you know split sets since it was an exhibition um in Fed Cup she didn't look good at all i, I was a bit more encouraged by her performance in in tiebreak 10s on monday um she her, mainly herself just looked back and as as everyone knows that's kind of that's the the base of Serena's game um she still struggled with her movement and 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 kind of hitting the ball on the run but there were a few times when she actually you know was forced to run and she ran and she moved well um so i, I don't know I, i think the main looking at a couple of interviews she's given so far that she's just trying to kind of put her foot down and get back you know at some point you have to get back and I, I although some i think some people believe that she should have maybe you know waited a bit more she's clearly not 100% at full fitness not near her best tennis wise i think some people thought maybe she should um wait until you know come back later prioritize wimbledon and the us open but i think she just i think that there's a, also a lot of um nerves and she i think she seemed to me she seemed quite edgy and about the comeback so i think she needs to kind of just start now and move on she may not win when her first match against Serena Diaz she may do something that no one is, is expecting but this is the start for her i guess yeah absolutely i think tennis is better off having you know the best player uh in the women's game uh to back in business and like you said you know at baby steps right now hopefully you know uh, she can find some momentum she can get rhythm and uh, stay healthy and that's i think the biggest concern and then i think results are you know uh results will follow if uh, Serena Williams you know finds her level uh, it's a matter of only when uh, so that being said let's sorry yeah it's it's funny I was just going to say it's it's funny though because you know we we talk about um this being kind of the toughest thing really she's ever faced this comeback being the toughest thing she's faced yeah at the same time you know all of us are kind of expecting her to 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 be successful and i don't know i think there's a a possibility that we kind of underestimate how how difficult it will it could be for her and i don't know it's 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 going to be interesting to watch anyway yeah it's definitely just to add one more thing it's not your typical comeback from a injury layoff this is a lot more than what a normal athlete goes through so yeah all eyes would be on serena williams and it's uh, yeah let's uh, look at the top of the uh, ladies section and simona halep sits right at the top uh, 
So if you take a quick glance, do you how do you see her progress? If I know this is like totally prediction, she can go out to Sibylkova even early. But what do you see as a potential uh, on her path to quarterfinals later? Um, uh, for Halep, I think she has quite a good good draw. She she looked really good um, actually in in Doha until she had to pull out on with a foot injury. So I guess that's one, the injury is one thing to to look for. But aside from that, she. I mean, she she had a great start to the year in Australia, and I think that the expectation is that she she'll do unless she's still feeling her foot injury, she'll do well. Sibukova has still been quite a shadow of herself. She has in in a, a potential fourth round, uh, looking further forward with Contour or Stepenko, which could be problematic depending on either, if either one catches fire. But uh, I think Halep has good chances in in Indian Wells for sure. And looking further in her section, her projected quarterfinal opponent could be Yelena Ostapenka. And uh, she too has to go through some tricky matches because Belinda Bencic could be her first match if uh, the Swiss comes through against uh, uh, Timia Babos. Uh, how do you see that little section? Yeah, that, that, that's a potentially tough... Um, it should be anyway, but Bencic hasn't actually... You know, she, she beat Venus in the first round of... Um, the Australian Open, but she hasn't actually won a match since then. So it will be interesting to see if if that does happen because that that should be a on paper that's a really big match. Osabenko, who the first time champion um, of the younger players, you know the younger generation, and Bencic is she reached the top ten before. Um, Conta is there. Conta could catch fire, um, but, but in both cases for Conta and Osabenko, they've had quite slowish starts to the year. Um, particularly Ostapenko, but you know they could catch fire at any point, and I think uh, we're waiting to see. Yes, yeah. there, there's another name that's going to make this section very tricky. Last year's uh, finalist uh, Sveta Kuznetsova, I think, is making her season debut. Yes, uh, or has she played already? No. So uh, that's, that's an intriguing name right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she had wrist surgery um, at the end of last year, so it's she. Yeah, she's making her first comeback. Her comeback and. Yeah, that's, that's another name. You know, there's so many kind of, in the women's game, there's so many different names and so many possible outcomes. And that's another, I, I, you know, I, I don't expect her to, you know, just hit the ground running. But, you know, it's, it's another a two-time champion in the draw. Yeah. And just for, you know, fun's sake, let's keep a small score. And even the listeners probably will find this a little engaging. Uh, uh, who do you see in the quarterfinals uh, in, in that section? Is it Halep? Versus Osaka or Kanta? Halep. I'd say Halep versus Kanta, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but right, I'm calling uh, uh, same. I think Halep versus Kanta. Yeah, I agree. I don't see many threats there. Uh, even though Ostapenko is higher seed, I would go with the same. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah. Uh, you never know with Ostapenko. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you never know exactly. So then Garbinia Muguruza is the third seed and she could be Halep's uh, projected semifinal opponent. But she has in-form uh, uh, opponents. In uh, Actually, she herself is in-form. Uh, what do you make of her level and is she someone who is to watch out in your books for this event? As She she can be playing Radwanska in the as early as the third round. Yeah, Muguruza, she um, brought back... Um, Conchita Martinez, who was with her when she won Wimbledon, and 
and during the their first tournaments back together in the Middle East, as well as with Sam Simic, Muguruza played, finally kind of got out of her rut she had been in and played some great tennis, reached the um, semis of uh, Dubai, final of Doha, I believe. Um, that, but that's a strange section as well because Sharpova's, in, although you probably skimmed over her name, <laughs> Sharpova's um, there um, facing Naomi Osaka in the mm-hmm. first round today. Um, and the winner will play Radvanska. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. It's a, it's a tough draw for Sharapova, who's been injured a lot and hasn't gone back to her top top level. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. But I, I do expect Muguruza to be the strongest player in that section. Yeah, that's that's a matchup I wanted to talk about next. Just right next to one Sharapova and Naomi Osaka. Uh, Naomi Osaka is someone uh, in my books, again, and I'm sure a lot of people feel that way, has a lot of game. And uh, how do you see her progression so far? Are we still, is it, I know she's still very young. Uh, so what do we make of, you know, the progression and uh, how much pressure I think she gets from her country and media? Because she's really, after Nishikori, like the next player who's, who's taking it to the next level. I think like, like Nishikori, because, because she... Um, because she lives in in the states and it's kind of uh, she she doesn't get the kind of brunt of it. But uh, so I think in general it's just that her game her, her issue is that her game is erratic and there are some technical issues. But since the start of the year she's been working with Sasha Bayan, who you know as, as a lot of people know used to work with Serena, work with Azarenka, and then Wozniacki last year. And they, it looks like you know she she reached her first ever Sam Court um, fourth round at the Australian Open and. Uh, she looks like she's in good form, and I, I would not be surprised if she beat Sharapova. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, I'm calling that upset, actually, so I wouldn't be surprised at all myself. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, further in this section is, uh, yeah, I wanted to say informed player, and that's I was looking at Kvitova, but uh, uh, she's, uh, you know, she definitely made her mark this year. Uh, it looks like she's returning to, you know, whatever her best level was before uh, she had that uh, home invasion attack, yeah. and she's someone uh, who who comes in. I think uh, I think she's punching above the ranking. I think form wise, she's not number nine. She's a little higher than number nine. Don't you yeah, agree? Yeah, no doubt about that. As, I mean, as as everyone knows, when when Petra plays at her top level, there's almost no very few players who can play with her. I think the the most striking part of kind of her, she's on a right now still on a 13 match winning streak. This has been how how much she's competed and how. You know, she was ex- Doha. She was quite exhausted, but she just kept on winning three set matches against top players, against Muguruza, against Wozniacki, and yeah, this this might not be her, her tournament. She doesn't like the the heat in in Indian Wells and also just the slower courts. She's never really done well here there, um, but yeah, she's definitely one of the players to look out for still. And how do you see her section? You think she can come through the section that also has names like Plishkova in there? Yeah, that, that that I guess that's the that Pliskova um, Kvitova is the feature match. Um, Pliskova has been quite, dis, I'd say, di- quite disappointing so far this year. She, she reached the quarters in Australia, but uh, she's just not. Uh, the, she's not play, playing at the level that you'd expect. She's been too passive, and uh, you're kind of waiting for her to get to the next level. You know, she reached number one last year, so I, I think. You know, if they do face each other, Kvitova would be favoured in that, just based on form. But, 
uh, it's that's a very tough match, and yeah, that's a very it just you know whoever gets out of it will be it should be a a tough section. And then we also have the two talented uh, youngsters, there, Coco Manave and Ash Barty. I mean, they they can make some noise in the desert uh, with their big games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Barty hasn't played since she Fed Cup. I think she's playing a, a small schedule, but you know. You, she, she'll, so she'll be rested compared to a lot of players in the draw. And same with Vandewey. Vandewey hasn't played well, great so far this year. But you know, I, I, as, as I, I'm probably going to keep on repeating myself. But there's there's so many players who, at any point, could kind of catch fire and and create da- and you know create damage. Even there's Kaya Kanepi who could take who who could really take out Vandewey in the second round. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see who. Who is playing best? Because that—that's what it will come down to. There's so many players at a similar level on the WTA right now. So, on the day is all that matters, really. Yeah. So, uh, just look at a quick, uh, thorough glance on this section. Who are your quarterfinalists? If uh, we keep adding to the to the draw list, uh, is it going to be Mogaruta versus uh, Petra Kvitova, or are you seeing any upset? Hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it, it, probably I'd say Muguruza versus Pliskova, but I don't know that that just feels too orderly for the dub tier. If, if you, if you, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's what I think is the most likely anyway. Just because of the the slow, although I said Pliskova hasn't been great, just the slow hard courts are, are up her street completely, and not so much for Kvitova. Okay, and I'll. Try to be a little different, uh, just for the sake of it. I think it's going to be uh, Ash Barty and uh, Petra Kvitova in the, the last day. Mm. Cool. Just purely on the measure, because you said uh, Ash Barty is coming in well rested, and I think well rested has been the theme in the women's game. Uh, you know, people are uh, producing results after you know taking a couple of weeks off. So I think uh, if Ash Barty is playing well, I see her causing some upsets here. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. All right, so now uh, the most talked about section, which is uh, the top section of the bottom half, where Venus Williams and Serena Williams could have a third-round encounter. And uh, they yeah. both have to win a match before they get there. And Serena has to win, I think, two matches. But uh, let's talk about Venus first. Number eight, how's her year uh, played out to you? Uh, what do you think of her chances in this tournament? Uh, it's, it's Well, to, to be frank, it's not been a good year so far. Um, she had a, Obviously, she had a couple of tough draws. She lost a... Kerber in her first match in in Sydney, I think, and and then she lost to Benchia yeah, in the first round of the Australian Open. So it's hard to even kind of gauge. I, I do expect her to turn it on at some point this year, as last year was such a great year for her. But she, the, the good, I, I mean, I was going to say she has a good draw, but not not really because of Gerges. Um uh, but maybe if she gets a few matches here, pre- presuming Serena isn't just going to do some, you know, crazy Serena thing and just arrive playing great tennis, you know, she, Venus may have t- time to a couple of ma- matches to actually find her level for the first time this year. But it's going to be tough going in that um, fourth round, potential fourth round against Julia Gerges, I think. Julia Gerges is someone who also had a good streak coming into the year and then she carried on and she's still, I think, one of the informed players. And she's coming in, I think, is number 12 her high ranking? Or this is something, uh, is this the she, she, broke, she broke into top 10, but then um, a couple of players um, got above her. Kvitova passed her, and 
someone else. I can't remember. Yeah, and if you look further down the draw, Venus's uh, projected quarterfinal opponent is uh, inform uh, Ukrainian uh, Alina Svitolina. And she's someone, you know, who's been, you know, pretty consistent outside of the ITF tournament. She's, you know, winning a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, tour-level tournaments. Uh, is she the player to beat in this section? Uh, I'll just ask straight away because to me she is. Oh, no, no, no doubt about that. I, I think the, I think people tend to kind of not overlook her now because you can't overlook someone who is constantly winning titles, but they still, you know, preface every compliment with Switzerlina with the fact that she's not a big hitter, that she's not even a great mover, but as 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 good as someone like Wozniacki, but she's such a great match. She's a really good match player, one of the best match players on tour, and. Uh, she'll she'll be it's not a, uh, as it's not a slam I think she'll definitely as long as she's healthy she'll definitely uh, tear through this part of the draw I, I think obviously her, her um, potential fourth run against Keys is is a redux of the the match that Key, they played at the US Open when Keith Keys defeated her but uh, I, I think Svitolina would probably have too much for Keys based on the form and the fact that it's not a slam <laughs> so. I'm thinking Svitolina will do pretty well in, in Indian Wells. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I don't, uh, again, anything can happen, but I think just looking at the draw sheet and the current form, I think Svitolina, to me, is a very safe bet. She gets it. I'm going to put, uh, and I'm going to put Gurgis uh, next to her in the quarterfinals. Uh, who's your pick? To... D- despite, despite saying that, I'm, I'm going to, because my, my, to my current draw is so boring. I'm going to go for Gurgis versus Keys because at, at the same time Keys has started the year. Although she had a, she lost quite limply in to Cece Bellis in the Middle East. She had a great quarterfinal at the Australian Open, and she is playing great tennis. So hmm. uh, Gurgis Keys, I'm going with. All right, so that, that's fine. We have some variety here. And then last but not the least is where the world's number two lives, uh, Caroline Wozniacki. And then uh, uh, she's projected, uh, at least seedings-wise, to have a quarterfinal date with uh, Caroline uh, Garcia in the quarterfinal. So uh, let's break this section down, starting with uh, the French, uh, Caroline Garcia. Uh, and what, what do you make of her section and her chances? To me, she's like, again, in, in an earlier podcast, I compare her to the potential of a Stan Wawrinka. I know those are lofty comparisons, but before yeah. Wawrinka became the Wawrinka we know, I always thought he has the game, but it was just not fire or come together for like best of five sets, seven matches. And then we know rest is history. Uh, I didn't see it coming, but now uh, Carolyn Garcia is someone I see a lot of potential. And um, I, I don't know if she can put it together because that's the challenge day yeah. in, you know, day out at this level. Uh, how do you see her talent and how do you see her draw? Yeah, I, I I rate her highly. She's you know good serve. She takes the ball really early. Big weapons, and you know she's a great athlete as well. Um, I, I see why Andy Murray hold, holds, held her to such high regard. Um, it's been interesting actually. Obviously, she catapulted into the top ten last year because she won two big titles in a row, um, Beijing and Wuhan, um, and then did well in the, the WTA finals. This year, it's been quite. It's been lukewarm, but I think it's quite encouraging that she's been consistent. You know, she reached the fourth round of the Australian Open. She had two quarterfinals in the Middle East. Um, she's putting constantly putting herself in, even if she's not near really playing her best tennis, she's putting herself in positions. And, you know, at, at some point, I think 
it, things will go right again and she'll, she'll get another big win. I, I don't see her doing, I, I think it will be tough to get past Kerber because Kerber's been in, in such great form and has turned a, a book, turned a page mentally this year, but she, I, I expect she'll, she'll put herself in the fourth round again and we'll see how, she'll see how that falls. It falls. Okay, so Kerber is a your quarterfinalist then, at least from that that part of the uh, section. Yeah. Okay, that's that, that's a mm-hmm. very decent pick because Kerber has been playing well, and uh, I wouldn't bet against her either, even though Garcia is slightly uh, a higher seed. And then this section also has a defending yeah. champion, Vesnina, uh, who yeah. I think after winning here hasn't been quite the same. I mean, she's had uh, patchy results. Uh, do you, sir, do you see her uh, keeping the date with Kerber, or, or do you see her an, an early casualty in this event? I, I could, I could see her. Um, Catherine Bellis um, defeating her in the second round. Vesnina has been pretty poor so far this year. So, yeah, Pat, she only. I mean, it's, it's only one match. She only has to win one match, but I could definitely see her losing to Bellis. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, I mean that's something we can keep track of when the action gets underway. And then uh, the last, very last part of the section is uh, the U.S. Open champion Sloan Stephen, who finally won a couple of matches, but she's still a long way to go to the form that you know uh, uh, ca- help her capture the, the Grand Slam in, in New York. And she can open against uh, again another comeback story, either Victoria Azarenka or Heather Watson. How do you see that little section there? Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of well, it's, it's an interesting section because it, it also has Kasakina, who did who played really brilliant tennis in Dubai and. Is, is really one to watch after how, how well she played um, there. With, with Stevens, uh, I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of judge how, how she'll play. She obviously had an, a knee injury at the end of last year and it seemed like it affected her preparation um, for 2018. And it, at some point, she'll, you know, reach the level she, she played at again at, um, last year. But... Yeah, it wasn't, even though she did win too much in Acapulco, it wasn't convincing. And with Azarenka, um, again, it's kind of impossible to know what to expect with her because she's obviously hasn't played since Wimbledon. Um, she, she's only really, she's still going through her custody issues. She's only really playing this tournament because it's in California and she has to stay in California, you know, with her son. So. Again, uh, I guess we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, it will be interesting. I, I think my my I expect Kasekina to to get through this little section, but at some point, Stevens is going to find her level. No, I agree, and uh, I also think uh, uh, Daria Kasekina has been playing really well of late, and uh, I think she's my pick. Uh, I'll even go this far that I think she, I see her even beating Caroline Wozniacki and coming out to the quarterfinal. And it's a bold pick. Uh, I'm sure you disagree there. <laughs> um, me, I'm going. Yeah, I, 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 that, I, now that you say it, that does that does sound possible. I, I'll, I'll go with Wozniacki. I think uh, it's too boring. I think. Well, I think it will be a Kerber. Wasn't I? Don't want to say it, but I think it will be a, a Kerber Wozniacki um, quarterfinal. So it would be interesting to see Azarenka just come back and. Just tear through that section. That would be <laughs> a sight. There'll be a few very intriguing uh, stories regarding the comebacks and where these players have landed in these uh, these pockets of the draw. Yeah. So you have Wozniacki Kerber and I have Kerber Kasatkina. So the quarterfinal lineup is complete, and uh, 
yeah, we can take stock of this as uh, the first week ends, and then maybe we can have a midweek podcast, and then uh, depending on your availability, we can we can you know look through sure. that. Uh, anything else before we switch gears to the ATP side of the things? Uh, not not too much now. Um, again, we're good, I think. Okay, so. A 36-year-old Roger Federer, you know, he's keep, uh, you know, battling father time and keep, you know, rewriting expectations. And this guy is clearly the man to beat. And the draw is not that tricky uh, yeah. for him. Uh, he could start against Rico Delbonis or Ryan Harrison. And then uh, projected fourth round clash with the uh, mercurial Italian Fabio Fonini. So how do you see Federer, you know, and what are your expectations? Is he your favorite? Uh, which, uh, you know, he's, I think he's a bookmaker's favorite. And uh, do you see any... Do you see any hurdles in his path as he keeps, uh, you know, as he attempts to win his uh, sixth title in the desert? He's, as you said, his his draw isn't the most difficult. Um, I, I, he's definitely for me the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite in this tournament. And you know, it, it's, it's it's funny in in Australia, he w- he was constantly saying that it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be this way. I'm 36. Really, you know, there should really be someone else who is at least kind of on my level. But the the truth is that. At this point, at this moment, I don't see. I, I don't see uh, team on on hard courts uh, creating trouble for him. It's, it's possible that um, Chung, a bit further down in the section, could could be tricky. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but in this this in his current in his little section here, I don't think Nini will, will pose too many problems on hard courts, and no one else really. So you're locking Federer in the quarterfinals, then, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. With his left hand, no, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's he's he's heavily favored, definitely. And he's played really well in the desert, even when Djokovic was cleaning up the titles. Federer did play Djokovic in I think two very close matches in 2014 and 2015 wasn't as close, but was still highly entertaining. So and now and and Federer's someone I think it's no secret he likes a tag of being the favorite and number one. So he comes here as a number one after I think yeah. eight years. I think last time he came in here as number one was 2010. So yeah, that's uh, you know anything can happen, of course, you know uh, on a given day. But he's uh, he's clearly uh, looking a comfortable bet for the quarterfinals. And then uh, I was going to just say, as you said, um, regarding him playing really well against Djokovic in in twenty fourteen and fifteen, I think people forget that a lot. You know, he 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 was back then. He was the second best player facing you know one of the great greatest of all time as well in his prime in his prime. And it feels now that that obstacle is no longer there. It's this is in a way, kind of in a way. Although it shouldn't make sense, it kind of does make sense that he's still, you know, at the top of the game and so much better than everyone else. I was going to say the same thing, and I think you just uh, you said it before. I think yeah, it does make sense. It doesn't make sense. The part that does make sense is he was clearly the guy who was challenging Djokovic on some sort of a regular basis when Djokovic was, you know, on this absolute tier, which was one of the all-time best runs in, I think, in the game. And now, you know, a yeah. few people have been injured and uh, Federer himself had an injury. He took time off and came back and, you know, the rest of the stuff is legendary. But yeah, in that sense, it does make sense because he's still clearly, before the injury, he was the second best player, even though Andy Murray was slightly ranked higher than him. But he had gotten the Murray, better, he had gotten the better of Murray uh, in the last few years since he switched, you know, uh, uh, with the new racket and Stefan Edberg and, uh, you know, uh, the coaching reins. So, yeah, Federer does come back in this, has, uh, at this tournament and this has been his clearly uh, one of his better hardcore tournaments in America. He's won it five times now. And 
who is he going to play in the quarterfinals? So that's going to be the interesting uh, analysis by looking at this section. And uh, if the seedings go, it's Dominic team, but then Dominic team hasn't really uh, delivered on the on the hard courts consistently. He's been, you know, he, he played an okay tournament in Acapulco, came short against Juan Martin Del Porto, yeah, and he could play here against a talented upcoming. Uh, Greek, uh, Stefano Tsitsipas. Uh, that could be a good match in the desert if Tsitsipas can get there. And then I think uh, there's a potential of uh, Denis Shapovalov, who team beat in Acapulco. Yeah. So that's, uh, those are a couple of interesting matches for team right there. Yeah, this is, this is very much the, the next-gen section as well with Jung just above. Um, yeah, with team, uh, although he did win... Um, a title recently. Um, I, I, he, there's little to so far to to suggest that he'll do as well on hard courts, and so I, I'm I'm not expecting him to reach the quarters. And yeah, I, I think the the biggest I, I'd say that Chung is probably the likeliest in my book to to reach it. All right, so you have Federer and Chung, and I will go. Uh, I'll go with Federer and Burdick just to keep things interesting. Burdick is also another guy. I think he's Ooh. not quite the yeah, same, yeah. but then when you think he's done and dusted, he puts a run to a quarterfinal or semifinal. So I think uh, he he might have enough in the tank uh, to make at least yeah. a yeah. quarterfinal run here. Uh, and then the bottom section of the top half uh, has Grigor Dimitrov sitting as number three seed and uh, his projected quarterfinal date could be Kevin Anderson, but then there's a lot of tennis to be played. And uh, let's uh, break down this section. Dimitrov could be opening against Fernando Vadasco or Guido uh, Pella. Uh, how do you see this little uh, section? Um, Vadasco recently reached the Rio final, I believe. He's he's in pretty he's in okay form, but I think Dimitrov Dimitrov had some Ill, issues with illness. Um, I think he's probably he should be recovered by now. So there, there's a there's a tough potential third round with Rublev. He keeps on facing Rublev. He faced Rublev in Australia and then in Rotterdam, I think. And also at the US Open when Rublev beat him. Um, so that, that's an... Uh, Dimitrov has, has had his number recently, but that that could be a, a tough match and you could... At least I could see Rublev creating some havoc, being creating some mischief, but you, you'd expect and kind of, I guess, for the sake of the ATP, you hope that the, the number three player in the world would um, well, number four player in the world would would actually, you know, advance. So I, I think he'll he probably would. Uh, he has a good draw to the quarters at least. Hmm. Uh, I, I I slightly disagree, I, and even though I uh, agree with everything you have said, just for the prediction part, I think Rublev I think uh, will turn the table yeah. this time, and I think Rublev also has a good uh, next gen match with either Taylor Fritz or Riley yeah. or Belka. Which I think Rublev come through, and then I think I also see him taking out Dimitrov here. But again, uh, Dimitrov can find his form, and uh, like many expected, uh, Dimitrov to lose the match again in uh, Rotterdam. But then Dimitrov did come through that one. And uh, if we go further down the draw, then there's a mercurial Aussie, Nick Kyrgios. You know, nobody pol- polarizes the game more than this guy, and he has yeah. a lot of game. Uh, but he hasn't played since Davis Cup, and he could. Be opening against a tricky opponent there with Steve Johnson or Daniel Medvedev. How do you see Kyrgios if he's healthy? Is he the man to beat here? If if he's healthy, he's he's one of them. I mean, Anderson is also there a bit, a bit further down. Um, but yeah, he he performed pretty well in Australia. 
he seemed he at least mentally he, he seems more motivated than in in previous years. So uh, a, a lot of it will depend on how he's feeling physically. Of course, we've seen like over the particularly last year, you know, he, he'd have an injury, he'd step back a bit, and then he'd come back, and there'd still be you know residual problems. It, it seems like he's re- he's re- he's really struggled to stay fit over the past few years. So I guess the, the first question is whether he's going to be fit. The first match against, particularly if he faces Medvedev, there, I think that could be tricky. But yeah, he's mm. he particularly, and I, I think that he's certainly if he's healthy, he's one of the peak players to beat. Corinna Buster hasn't been in great form. So yeah. yeah. And then there are a couple of tricky names uh, as far as the draw goes here. One of them is uh, Karen Hashinov of Russia, who's uh, also in form one tournament in Marseille over Luka Pui. And then he could be playing Anderson. Anderson himself has been in good form, reaching a final uh, in Acapulco and then also winning in New York. So uh, a quick look at this and let's not, you know, uh, let's make our predictions. Who are the two men here who will face off in the quarterfinals? Yeah. Um- yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, that that second round match is definitely going to be uh, tough. And Anderson seems to be, you know, after the US Open final, he seems to be finally, you know, getting the ball rolling again. Uh, uh, he should definitely like his chances of of advancing far. And but yeah, we'll see. It's the first match here, so it's his first match. So uh, I think having that first round could be an advantage for Kachanov you know, to to play him into form. So uh, I, I'd say I'd go with Anderson, but it could be very tricky. And Anderson and Dimitra or Anderson uh, versus? I, that's, all, <laughs> that's too boring. Um, Kyrgios. Kyrgios, yeah, you said? I'm going with that. You? Kyrgios okay. and uh, yeah. Dimitra, huh? Yeah. Okay. All right, so I'll be even... Uh, uh, I'll take even a different route. I think uh, it's going to be Anderson and Robi- uh, and Batista Agut. Because Batista Agut is another guy who is very consistent and you know, always gives you know, his end of the ranking. And you know, sometimes we have a tendency, collectively, I think, to overlook yeah, this yeah. guy. I think he's won two titles this year. And I he's fit. And if he's feeling, uh, if he's fresh, uh, I think he definitely will be uh, making his way and uh, heading towards that... Yeah. Uh, Number uh, top ten yeah, ranking. That, that's, a good, that's a good call. All right, so, <laughs> well, we, we'll find out how good it is, <laughs> and then uh, then let's look at the uh, the bottom section. And uh, Jack Sock made a semi-final return uh, appearance here last year, uh, and I think anything sure. close to that would be good because he's clearly struggling uh, since reaching the World Tour finals. And uh, uh, Jack Sock and uh, Feliciano Lopez, and there's also Francis Tiafoe in this. Uh, uh, top bracket here, uh, and that they could potentially play the informed Frenchman Luca Pui or uh, former um, uh, Acapulco champion uh, Sam Query. How do you see this uh, this sixteen, and who comes out here uh, from where Sark and Pui live? It's it's def- definitely a, a strange section. Um, so as you said, Sark is in poor form. Query reached the, um, aside from reaching the New York final. Query, who was kind of one of the Big kind of performance last year is also in poor form. Lopez, not much to speak of. Of course, TFO is is embedded in there a bit, and after winning Delray Beach, he could. Well, it will be interesting to see, you know, what comes next for him. Um, he he he'd won up until before Delray Beach. He'd won only, I believe, nine career ATP matches, and then 
um, in the in his previous two, two tournaments, he's won seven. So uh, we'll see if that was kind of a, a flash in the pan of what, of, but a flash of what's to come in the future, or if he's already ready to to consolidate and and win a lot of matches. Of course, Pui has been very active since Australia, but he but over the last year he hasn't been able to really, aside from. I think he reached the Monte Carlo semis last year. Aside from that, he hasn't been able to convert it to the big events. Um, well, he's also played a lot of tennis, so I don't know if he'll be tired. So from, from that, um, I'm, I'm not really... I, I guess I'd go with Pui, but it's not a a very strong pick, you know? Yeah, it's not. I would like to also add, I think, to what you said about Pui. He's played really well indoors and he's played well uh, in on clay. But it's really, since his US Open run a few years ago when he took out Rafa Nadal, he hasn't really played good in outdoor hard courts. And this is still a question mark to perform away from home and perform away uh, from yeah. you know, indoor courts. So yeah. that being said, I still think uh, he's played enough tennis. And he, you know, by reaching the Dubai final, which was again an outdoor tournament, I think he has enough fuel in the tank uh, results-wise. And I see him coming out in this tricky section, uh, which is kind of very unpredictable. And then yeah. uh, Jack Sock and uh, uh, Sasha Zverev are the highest seeds in this uh, section, and they are supposed uh, to be the quarterfinal pairing. Of course, a lot of tennis has to be played. And uh, also looming large is uh, Diego Schwartzman, who's been playing the tennis of his life. And uh, I know <laughs> they're looming large, but truly his tennis is large, and uh, he's showing a lot of heart. And uh, Kyle Edmund is there coming after uh, the break himself. And then... Uh, Milos Raonic, who's still trying to find his footing. So, Tumani, let's break this little section down now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, as you said, Schwartzman is, is looming and he's playing the best tennis of his career. He's, he's he's showing what he's capable of. I think he's also shown that he can perform on um, on hard courts. His, you know, the match against Nadal in the Australian Open was was very, very good. Um, so, I, I, I'd actually kind of like to... I'd like to think that he could go go far here. Um, Zverev is is very up and down, right? Um, he he performed, you know, that was horrendous, a horrendous fifth set against Chung at the Australian Open. Then he actually showed a lot of grit in the Davis Cup. Uh, then you know it's, it's been so so since he he I think he reached the semis in Acapulco, right? And then he was um, kind of eaten for dinner by Del Potro. So, uh, the, of course, he's only 20 years old. There's you know, t- t- a river of time ahead for him, and uh, I'm sure he'll get it together, but uh, we'll, we'll see. It seems like he's, he's, he may be going through a, a small sophomore slump, um, and I think someone like Schwartzman could take advantage of that. Um, I, I don't see... Well, we'll see about Ranić. It depends on his health. You know, the, the one of the... Dis- not just dis- disappointing things, but one you, you would have expected that at a point like this, where so many many top players have been injured, someone like Raonic, also Nishikori, th- those type of players would be taking advantage. But instead, he's having even more problems himself, and we'll see how he is physically. Yeah, unfortunately, Raonic and Nishikori, you know, for the opposite reasons, have been the you know on, on the injury list for more often than not. And you're right, you know, this time where Federer is shining, he could have used their company, or you know, they could have been part of the mix, but they themselves have been injured more than of Djokovic and Murray uh, on a consistent basis. So that being said, uh, I, I agree Schwartzman uh, is playing well and uh, it's a tricky match here uh, with Kyle Edmund, but 
you know, both are playing good. But depending on you know how fresh Edmund is after that run in Australia, he hasn't played in a while. Uh, uh, I also agree Sasha Zverev is having uh, somewhat of a slump, but I think that's more mental because I think uh, the pressure that we all put on him and he himself puts on himself because he's, he's been victorious at the highest levels outside of Grand Slams. And, uh, I think to him, that's a learning curve. And we've seen like players in the past, like uh, a young Federer would go through these emotions and uh, some of the players would... Because he really thinks he should be number one or he should be the best player. And I think that's a process, a part that you know, he's having hard times coming grips with. And uh, despite his topsy-turvy results, and you know, one week he makes you a believer, the other week he totally loses the plot, I still think, uh, looking at the potential opponents, uh, I still think uh, if his serve is on and... Uh, He's playing. He's playing decent tennis. I think he's still the man to beat in this top section, and I pick him as my quarterfinalist against Pui. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree with everything you just said. But I'm going with Pui versus Schwartzman. <laughs> no, Pui versus Schwartzman will be good because they had a great match at the U.S. Open, where Pui. I think there was some lost in translation. Pui was a little upset that Schwartzman took a timeout, like medically, and then. We couldn't really hit a ball in for a few games, and uh, that would be a great match if that were to take place. And they both are informed players, so that'll be something good. Uh, and then, of course, Juan Martin Del Potro is the most popular player in the game. You know, not named Roger Federer. Some might even uh, disagree. So he's very loved everywhere, especially in the United States. And he's coming off his biggest win in uh, at a 500 level. And uh, but the book on Del Potro has been injuries and consistency. And uh, do you think he has enough in the tank uh, backing that win in Acapulco and making a deep run here? I, I think he'll be okay physically. It's, I mean, it was one tournament and, and he's, you know, they, they play every other day here. So, there, so it should be, physically it should be fine. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been playing great tennis. And as I said, uh, regarding Raonich and Nishikori, we're, we're, he's also one of those players who, You'd not ex- not necessarily expect, but you'd want to take advantage of the fact that you know there's there's so many opportunities right now, and this could be the tournament that he does. Um, so he has, I, I guess it depends. He could have a good draw, depending. Just looking further down, depending on whether or not uh, Djokovic is you know ready to play at a high level. But I guess we'll see. He's he's clearly one of the. He has to be one of the favorites for this tournament, no doubt. I think he is one of the favorites, definitely. And but the draw man didn't really do him any favors because they had a close match in Acapulco. So he goes through, potentially plays Ferrer again, who's some sort of a resurgence. Because last year, there was a time when we thought David Ferrer might just pull the plug on his great career. But now, I think with the racket switch, slowly has paid off. And uh, he's playing slightly more aggressive. At least that's how it feels to me. He's letting his forehand do more of the talking than... and. Uh, and he's had some impressive wins. He took out Rublev in Acapulco and played Del Potro very close. Yeah, he, so, I don't know. I think uh, I might go with Ferrer if they were to play again. And if not, it could be a very physical match once again if the two were to square off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, though, that um, after the, the, the way Del Potro performed after that match should give him the you know some extra confidence and the extra uh, Belief to kind of perform better next time. I don't know. It's, it's certainly for has been playing better tennis and uh, in the past, but this is a this should be a man- manageable match. I think if Del Potro is in good form. 
Okay, and then uh, like you already mentioned a little bit about Djokovic, and I think he's the most intriguing story on the men's side because he was the X factor for the longest time, and now he's tried to come back and looked good in Australia in patches, and then uh, had you know elbow pain, uh, totally visible uh, against Yon uh, Chung in that in that fourth round loss, and now there was speculation that he may be coming back in Madrid, but now he's already in this draw, and and uh, he's drawn the likes of Kei Nishikori as early as the third round. Uh, I think uh, I think I'm a believer. I think what I saw in Australia, if there hasn't been any more setbacks in his training, I think this is a coach Novak Djokovic really you know thrives on. He's had great memories here. I expect him to make a run, and I uh, I expect him to be in the quarterfinals. Yeah, um, yeah. It, again, it just depends on you know how his elbow is. He he obviously revealed that he had a, a quote small medical intervention. Um, uh, after Australia, and of course, there's a lot of questions about you know if if he you know why why didn't that happen sooner and you know it's taken him it's take after having what we assume is surgery well what is surgery it's only been a few weeks and now he's back in the draw um, I don't know it, it's 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 interesting to see if he's at at full power first of all. Because he, he when he played in Australia, he certainly, as you said, he certainly wasn't, and I think he he knew that from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, if if he's in certainly, as you said, if he's in if he's in good form, then that then he could certainly do a lot of damage here. He did look good in Australia when he when he was help, when he was when his pain was manageable, but it depends. It depends what the state of his elbow is, I guess. Yeah, of course, pain management is key, and even the smallest pain in a game like tennis, where you're by yourself, can really magnify and you know uh, give you mental uncertainty. So I'm 100% with you, but I'm just throwing in the caveat: uh, what Djokovic looked before the Chung match, if again, yeah. like hypothetical scenarios, if he's playing close to that, I don't see anybody but Del Potro beating him here. But I also see Del Potro potentially losing to Ferrer. So that being yeah. said, my quarterfinalists here are uh, Djokovic and Chilich. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say Del Potro and Cilic, but yeah, on 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 Djokovic, I just I, I feel that um, uh, I'm struggling to trust tennis players and how fit they say they are, given you know how Djokovic was in Australia, given how Murray you know travelled to Australia and and then didn't play because and needed surgery, and <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested to see if. If he really is back, or is if, if again also with Vavrenko as well, if he's maybe rushing back um, because of how long it's been and because of you know exterior pressure. I mean, I've, I've over the past you know seven months now, eight months um, since the French Open, I've seen more billboards of Djokovic, um, the cost adverts, than I've seen Djokovic back end winners, and <laughs> is. I'm just yeah. We'll see. I, I hope that I really hope that he's he's fully healthy and that he's not going. There won't be another setback. You know, in their careers, you hope that that yeah. these players are a bit more cautious and careful. But we'll see. Absolutely, fingers crossed for Djokovic and his fans and everybody's sake because tennis needs him. You know, he's like the top draw, one of the best players ever. And uh, and right now, his return to form could really add. And X factor to the game with Federer playing at such a high level. I think Djokovic Federer is easily one of the best matches of all yeah. time. So let's hope Novak Djokovic is slowly on his way back to start contending and playing deep into this tournament. And 
again, uh, we don't know what his pain level is. And if he's, again, the, playing somewhat what he did against Monfils in Australia or even uh, the match before that, uh, I, I, I see him making at least a run to the quarterfinals. Yeah. So, so now uh, let me just correct myself. I know we can take stock, but I think uh, of this a week from now. But since we already have quarterfinals projected for both WT and ATP, let's make the final calls and who the winners are so we don't leave anything uh, outstanding in this podcast. So let's give WT a list. I have the picks here. You have uh, uh, Halep and... Uh, uh, yeah, Halep and Conte. Uh, no, Halep and Conte, right? Oh, oh in, in, in the semis, do you mean? In the quarters. And then uh, the other quarter you have is Muguruza and Pliskova. So who are your semifinalists? Um, semifinalists, Halep versus Muguruza, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, you have uh, Keys and uh, Gerges, and then uh, Kerber and Wozniacki in the other two quarters. Um, Gerges Kerber. Gerges Kerber. Oh, you're very certain about Kerber. All right. So, and uh, <laughs> who, who can tell for the championship on the WTA side? Is it Halep versus Kerber or Magaruta versus Kerber? As you said, I'm very certain about Kerber. So, I'd, I'd go with Halep versus Kerber with, with Kerber winning. With Kerber winning. All right. You heard it here first. Yeah. Sumani made uh, very clear. You know, they're not even... <laughs> sense of doubt there that Angie Kerber is going to be lifting this trophy against Simona Halep. Yeah, I, so Simona Halep will be losing the second big final of the yeah, year. <laughs> yeah. I just with, with, with Kerber, I think, I, I've been just impressed with her attitude and how she she just seems completely different from, even even when she won her slams, just the, the kind of the determination to be back and to, you know, be at the level that she should be at. I love how in seemingly almost every interview, her, her comment is that, you know, I'm so glad it, we're not in 2017, basically F 2017. And uh, I don't know, I think there's an extra edge to her. And at some point she's going to win big again. So why not her? Sure. All right. So I'll also add my picks. And I have uh, Halep taking on Kvitova in the semifinals and Alina Svitolina versus uh, Kerber in the other semifinal. And uh, I have a final between Halep and Svitolina. And I have uh, Svitolina winning her biggest title at Indian Wells. So let's see if, uh, you know, these stand up in, uh, in what, 10 days' time. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and let's also take stock on, on the men. I can go first yep. and then, Tamani, you can give yours. Uh, out of Federer Burdick, I have Federer in the semifinal and he'll take on Kevin Anderson. And the second semifinal is going to be Sasha Zverev versus uh, former champion Novak Djokovic and uh, Federer over Zverev for the title. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going with... Uh, you had Federer Chung quarterfinal and yeah. then uh, you had Kyrgios. Um, so I'm going with yeah. uh, Federer... Oh, no, not Dimitri. Federer, Kyrgios, <laughs> Federer Kyrgios semifinal. This is not happening, but that's what I'm going with. Oh, very Never know with Nick. If Nick wakes up on the right side and the server is working and he's dialed in, yeah, he can beat anyone. That's true. Um, have the match of the tournament in Pui Schwartzman, that's a big one <laughs> in the quarters, yeah. and then Delpo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Federer, Kyrgios in the semis, um, top half, bottom half. Well, I went with Schwartzman. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Schwartzman, Del Potro, semi final, all Argentine semi final. 
I've lost my mind. And then the final, the final um, Federer versus Del Pocho, of course, um, with Del Pocho winning. <laughs> All right. Del Pocho winning his first Masters 1000. That has been a long time coming, yeah. I'm sure. If that happens, I'll be more deserving yes. winner than him because he's someone who has a lot of caliber and he's won a major, but he's never won a 1000. So, so those are some wonderful predictions and it yeah. was a lovely chat. And uh, I know you have articles to write and a uh, tournament to follow. So let's engage more on Twitter uh, regarding this tournament. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining. It was a wonderful chat, and hopefully we can have you uh, again in the podcast and with multiple guests, and we can make a panel interview next time. Yeah, definitely, that'll be great. Thanks for having me.